Well, let's pray together. Father, we come to you tonight. We're thankful for this time that we have together to, uh, to study. Um, we're thankful for uh, this material and, and Dr. Beaky and, and putting it together. Um, Lord, we're, we're thankful tonight to hear that, that Mike's, um, Lord, his visit to the doctor went well and, and everything's looking good. And we just, Lord, we thank you for that. Father, we do tonight, we pray for the Coates family as they're dealing with loss. Father, we pray that you would, uh, Lord, just give them a, a supernatural peace, uh, Father, during this time and, and comfort and, and be with them. Lord, we, we pray for uh, Steve McBride and the, the diagnosis of uh, lung and, and brain cancer. Father, we pray that you would be with the, the doctors as they continue to, to look at uh, treatment and Father give them wisdom and um, Lord that they would know how to, to go about that Father we do um, we pray tonight for uh, Rachel's grandmother as well in, in the hospital pray that you will be with her Lord and those who are, are taking care of, of her during this time Lord we uh, again we're thankful for the chance we have to, to come together Lord we pray that you would teach us uh, tonight and, and change us into the image of Christ. And so, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Turn with me tonight to First uh, John, to chapter 2. First John, chapter 2. We're going to read that a little bit. So, tonight we come back to our uh, study on the assurance of faith. So, can we know that we're saved? Can we know that we're a child of God? Can we know that we're in Christ and He is in us? And so we want to look at those questions and evaluate that. And so the, the last few weeks that we've been together, we've looked at the Westminster Confession of Faith in, in chapter 18 that deals with this topic of assurance. Many say it's the, the greatest um, work writing on this topic um, from history. And so we've looked at the, the first of four paragraphs in that chapter on the, the possibilities regarding assurance. Um, last week, we began to look at chapter two, talking about the grounds of assurance, so the, the basis that we have for assurance. And we um, talked briefly about these three, and, and we zeroed in on the promises of God in Christ Jesus. And we, we looked at it and talked about how this first uh, point here, the promises of God in Christ Jesus, are the primary and, and objective basis for our assurance in Christ. However, there, there, are other, there are two other grounds here that we, on which we have assurance as well, and they're secondary, and they're subjective, but, but they're still very much important in our understanding of, of the doctrine of assurance. And so tonight we're going to talk about the, the first of these two secondary and, and subjective grounds of assurance in the inward or the, the personal evidences that we see as we examine ourselves and then compare ourselves to Scripture. And so for an example of the, the type of passages that we would 
go to, to to look at this, to compare our actions and our hearts to. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And so there we read, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. And so we would look at our own hearts, and we would determine in ourselves, do we keep his commandments and that would be a way to look in inward uh, at our, our personal evidence of assurance um, now when we start to look at these internal things um, it, it starts to get tricky and, and it's tricky because they are internal and they are subjective and our minds and our hearts and our thoughts have all been corrupted by sin, And so therefore, many times we, we don't evaluate ourselves as we ought to. We don't see ourselves as we should. And therefore, many times we not, might not evaluate ourselves as, as we need to. So um, also we see that as we think about, like last week's lesson, we looked at the promises of, of God, in this week's lesson, we look at inward evidences of grace. Um, we generally have a tendency to go too far um, with one or the other of these, and and different people are kind of naturally wired to go towards one or the other, right? Some of us are prone to to only rely on the promises of God in Christ, so we we don't really examine ourselves, we don't look at that, we don't we don't think about that, we just cling to those promises alone just rest there and we don't we kind of neglect evaluating ourselves in in light of scripture on the other hand some of us are prone to only focused on looking within ourselves right it's almost like an overemphasis on on self-examination and we have a tendency to forget the promises of god and so we're, all of us are naturally wired to kind of go to one extreme or the other. And we can't do either of those. We must remember, we must rest in the promises of God, but we also must reflect and examine ourselves in light of Scripture. We, we've got to have both of these. Um, John Calvin wrote about, about these two different aspects, these objective promises and these, these subjective internal evidences and, and kind of how they come together. And he said this, we must look at ourselves because there must be fruits evident from trusting alone in the promises of God. So we trust in the promises and that produces fruit that puts forth evidence that we are indeed his. Um, Kevin went on then to, to say, to also give a warning uh, regarding self-examination. He wrote this. 
if we examine ourselves only by ourselves, that is, apart from the Bible, apart from Jesus, and apart from the helping light and guidance of the Holy Spirit, we will always be prone to error. Such self-examination will only lead us to sure damnation. So it's a very dangerous thing to, to examine ourselves without the Spirit, without the Word. And so Dr. Bickey uh, also, he said this, We must examine ourselves, but we must do so praying for the Holy Spirit to guide us. We must do so with the Bible open, looking at the marks of grace. We must do so in all honesty, prayerfully before God. And depends upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not something that we enter into alone or we, we enter into casually. This, this is something that requires supernatural work if we're going to examine and, and evaluate ourselves rightly. And so when we look at uh, the Puritans and, and kind of how they came to this topic of assurance, they uh, would use a technique called uh, syllogism. So the definition of a syllogism is a deductive scheme of a formal argument consisting of a major and a minor premise and a conclusion. Now, if your mind is like mine and it works like mine does, I read that and I said, great. I still have absolutely no idea what that means. And so I needed an example to kind of help me understand what's going on there. So... Um, one example of this would be something like this, okay? So, major premise. The leaves of evergreen trees do not change color in the fall. Minor premise. Um, pine trees do not change color in the fall. What's your conclusion? Pine trees are evergreen. So, um, it's kind of these three statements that, that connect things together. And so, that's, that's how they thought about this topic of assurance. And so one of these that the Puritans used, they called um, a practical syllogism. And so this was used um, to examine the, the external signs of evidence or external signs of their faith. These are things that other people can see and observe, their actions, um, how they interacted with one another, their relationships, things like that. And it went like this. Major premise. According to Scripture, only those who possess saving faith um, hold on one second. Saving faith only those who possess saving faith will receive the Spirit's testimony that their lives manifest fruits of sanctification and of good works. Minor. I cannot deny after praying Asking for the Holy Spirit's help and searching the word that by the grace of God I have received the Holy Spirit's testimony. That I manifest some fruits of sanctification and good works. And so, conclusion is I do indeed possess saving faith. They, they also came up one, with one that was very similar that referred to, um, they referred to as a mystical syllogism. And what they meant by that was this is something that was inside of their hearts and minds. These were things that, that other people couldn't see. And this is what they said. 
major premise. According to Scripture, only those who possess saving faith will so experience the Spirit's confirmation of inward grace and godliness that self will decrease and Christ will increase. Minor premise. I cannot deny that by the grace of God, I experience the Spirit's testimony confirming inward grace and godliness such that I decrease and Christ increases. The conclusion is I indeed possess saving. Faith, so this idea of what does Scripture say versus what do I experience in my life? And then drawing the conclusion. Anthony Burgess, he wrote uh, some examples of, of what these things would be within us. What are some of the evidence that we might see? And he said, uh, it might be an in, in, in inner fear of God. So to be very acutely aware of, of the majesty of God and, and my relationship as a sinner to a holy and just God. It might be an awareness, uh, an awareness of, of the poverty of my own spiritual life. So this realization that, that I've got no righteousness of my own. I, in myself, I bring nothing that's worthy of God's love or, or God's salvation. I've got nothing in myself that, that makes me acceptable to God. Maybe an, an inner hungering and a thirsting for righteousness. That truly, more than anything else, I desire the things of God. It might be that I'm aware of an, an inward repentance or an inward love or an inward patience that I see in myself. And then Burgess writes, if a godly man finds these signs in himself, he may be assured of his salvation, even though he does not see much fruit in his life in many areas that he would like to. And this, this brings us really to what I thought was a really helpful part of this lesson in that what, what, is this, what does this look like? How do we walk through this? So let's say that okay, I wake up in the morning. I'm longing for assurance that I'm in Christ. And so I go to 1 John, and I read chapter 2, verse 3. It says, By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. And so prayerfully, uh, I'm seeking you know, through the, the Holy Spirit to, that I, I would be able to examine my mind and my heart, and I look back, and I think about my life in the last day or two, and I, I just see so many ways that I have not done this. I have not kept the commandments of God, ways that I've broken them. And so as I look at this one particular thing in my life, um, what happens if I'm looking at this and I'm examining myself and it's not there? What do I do? The Puritans would say, don't despair. Go to another one. So then I read on down in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 10, and it, it says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. And so again, th through the help of the Spirit, I can look at my heart, and, and this time I can confidently say that by the grace of God, I genuinely do love 
my brothers and sisters in Christ. Then I can have confidence that I am in the light. Anthony Perkins, he, he wrote about this and he compared these different marks or different um, evidences in Scripture that we read about. Is, he kind of compared them to beads on a, a necklace. He used that as an illustration. And he said this, if you can tug at one little bead on the necklace, all the others will move. Meaning if, if there's one evidence that's, that's present, the, the others are in some degree. It, it's just that it might not be as strong. They might not be as evident as we'd like them to be. Or we can't see them as clearly in our lives at the moment. But the Lord is working in us. Well, let's take this a step further. What if I've had a really bad day and I go to Scripture and I read one and I don't see it and I read another one and I don't see it and I keep going? I can't find any of the evidences that I'm born. Again, I go to 1 John. I go to the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. I go to Galatians 5. I go to 2 Peter. And I just don't see any of those things in my life. Well, then the Puritans would say to this, again, don't despair. Rather, go back and cling to the promises of God that we talked about last week in Scripture. Hold, hold fast to those objective promises that God has made concerning his people well okay what if well then what if I I go back and I look at these objective promises of God and they're they're not good they're not sweet to me they don't move me to thanksgiving and to worship they don't thrill my soul what do I do then they would say, ask the Lord for help. Seek God's face to grant to you joy and satisfaction in his promises of the salvation of his people. So we go through this one more step. What if this is habitually the case? If, if I, time after time, day after day, I can't find any of this evidence. In my life. Well. There's a couple of things. First you may. If that's true. Then you may not possess. Saving faith. And that might be a way that. Um, God and the spirit of God. Through the word. Is revealing that. To you. That could be the case. But they would also say. Before you go there. Um, before you go there, they would encourage you to ask yourself one question. One question that all believers will answer yes to. One question that any believer will, will affirm in their hearts and minds. And that question is this. Do you desire to know Jesus better? Do you want to know him? Because you always desire to know better those whom you truly love. And so Dr. Beeky then said, in, in that case, in that sense, 
it's not so much what we in the moment possess, but what we long for. And I thought that was a very helpful perspective to look at all of this. So we've walked through this. Let's look at some conclusions tonight. They're, these are just some short statements that we want to remember when it comes to examining our hearts and minds uh, about this, looking for these these inward evidences of grace. First of all, as we've mentioned, when you examine yourself, pray for God. Pray to God for His Spirit to enlighten your eyes. So we can't do this without the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Second, don't begin with, with all these different evidences from the, the scriptures that we've talked about, but begin with the foundational evidence, which is faith itself. Then you can, can branch out and go from there. So, like we just talked about, do you want to know more of Jesus? That's, that's foundational. Then you can go to the Beatitudes, and you can go to Galatians, and you can go to 1 John and look at those things. Third, be careful how you define these evidences of grace that you're looking for. In other words, only define what the Bible says, right? Don't try to add to that. Also, number four, don't make evidence of salvation into causes of salvation. So, in other words, these things show us that, that salvation has indeed occurred, but they're not the means by which salvation happens. Fifth, don't examine yourself for signs of grace when your soul is full of darkness, doubts, and temptations. We, we all go through those. In those times, rather flee to the promises of Christ and rest in them. And lastly, do not resist. <clears throat> do not resist God's spirit with unbelief when he comes to assure you with evidences of your salvation. In other words, don't, don't say something like this. Don't say, well, I mean, I kind of, I kind of love other believers, but, but not really, not as much as I should at all. So maybe I'm really not saved if there's not that much passion there. And, and you dismiss that assurance because the, the level of love for one another isn't where it could be. So Dr. Beaky here is saying, don't fall into that trap. As a matter of fact, he said this, true believers cannot deny that God has worked something of these evidences in their lives. But they grieve that they don't have more of all of them. So it will always be the case, this side of heaven, that we can have more, that we can improve. That we can be more sanctified. That we can grow more in grace. We always want more. Remember that these things, when we go to Scripture to evaluate ourselves and buy these things, um, they should normally encourage us. They serve to encourage and affirm, not to discourage uh, us at all. And in this lesson, Dr. Beeky, he closed mentioning this 
um, illustration of the three grounds of assurance. He, he, he uh, kind of related it this way. He said that the, the primary objective ground of God's promises is kind of like the, the main dish of a meal. And then what we've talked about tonight with, with the inward evidence is kind of like the side dish of the meal. And then the testimony of the Holy Spirit is like the dessert of the meal. And that's what we'll look at when we come back together next time. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this time that we've had. Father, I pray that we would indeed look inward and examine ourselves. Father, it would lead us to repentance. It would lead us to further faith in you, to cling to you, Father, that we would, we would desire fellowship with you deeper and deeper and deeper. And so, Father, we pray this.